Sometimes you think you've seen it all, right? You've seen a million movies. I've seen a billion movies. However many movies or television shows you've seen, you often find yourself wondering, is there any way to truly innovate on just a purely how you shoot a scene or how you shoot a movie level? And even if you have an innovative idea, how hard is it going to be for you to execute it? There are so many filters and gatekeepers and goalies and cooks in the kitchen. My guest today is Robert Yeoman. He's the cinematographer who has worked with Wes Anderson since the beginning on Bottle Rocket. And together, they have innovated in the way movies look. They frame shots a certain way. They create stories visually a specific way to them to their model and method of doing things and style of storytelling. And it's unique and it's identifiable and it's consistent. And whether you like that or not, or you think directors and storytellers should be chameleons, it is what it is. It's a challenge to innovate in this business. And it's a challenge to get past all the people and the powers that be if you're trying to do something a little different. Robert explains not just why but also how they managed to slip these ones by the gatekeepers. It wasn't easy and it required a little ingenuity on their behalf. And sometimes it didn't go exactly the way they expected. But hearing from Robert on shooting with Wes Anderson is illuminating and educating. And I've spoken long enough. I'll let him do the rest. Hi, Robert. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good. Thank you so much for doing this. No problem. <laughs> it's really cool to have you here, obviously. We're huge fans of your work. No Film School's audience is very fond of your work. I want to talk about the recent movie, but I want to just kind of talk about your career as well okay. in general. Sure. We have a lot, of, a lot of our listeners want to be cinematographers. And so I'd sort of like to start with what was your entry into the world of being a cinematographer? What started you? Well, I guess it started when I was a young kid. I, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, and uh, we always went to the movies. I always loved the movies as a kid. It was, you know, something I always looked forward to, and I was a big fan of the Spaghetti Western. I, actually, I started with Jerry Lewis comedies when I was very little, and uh, Spaghetti Westerns, and, uh, you know, I went on to see a lot of great movies, you know, The Graduate, In the Heat of the Night, you know, In Cold Blood. When you saw these movies, was there something about, I mean, when you talk about spaghetti westerns, I think about the visuals there, but was there something about it visually that you kind of had this inkling that, like a lot of us grow up loving movies and seeing them and then, but was there any part of you that thought, what part of this do I want to do or speaks to me the most? When I was younger, I would say no. I mean, I just loved the movies. And I never, to be honest, never really even thought of a career in the film business. But I went off to college and I was kind of stumbling in college a little bit. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I got hooked up with the film program there where they just showed foreign films on Saturday nights. And that's where I was learned about the French New Wave and uh, Italian cinema and, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, movies like that. And, and it really kind of hooked me. And that kind of started me in my career towards cinematography. I, I always 
took a lot of stills just as a hobby, but it was nothing that serious, really. So what happened was I ended up going to film school after that, and I went to USC. And the beauty of a film school is that it allows you to kind of try different things. I tried directing, editing, sound, but I was good at cinematography, and I really enjoyed it. And I was always very much drawn to the images, particularly when I was doing that film program in, as an undergrad and, and the films of Bertolucci and Antonioni and, you know, uh, uh, so the French New Wave directors. Uh, I was always just fascinated by how they shot those films. And, and Is uh, it partly because those, those filmmakers, those movies, and it definitely makes sense, your collaboration with Wes Anderson, thinking about those movies, but they kind of, they made their own rules or they rewrote the language a little bit, not like the language, but like the cinematic language. Like they kind of, there's a lot of like, this is how you make a movie look and it's different. It's different than what, what we'd expected. Yeah. No knock on Hollywood, but you know, it, I think they were more individual. Uh, they brought an individual yeah. style to them where the Hollywood movies kind of, I hate to say we're more formulaic, but in a lot of cases they were. And, and, you know, and so there was a unique thing about a lot of these European films that I don't think was happening in America at that time. I'm not knocking American cinema. I mean, obviously, we had tremendous films made, being made there. But it was something that was a little different than what I was used to seeing that appealed to me in a lot of ways, you know? And, and so when you got out of USC, you kind of knew that you were good with the camera and were you looking at camera department jobs immediately? Like what was your first right out of it? What were you like, this is what, how am I going to get in? You know? Well, when I got out of USC, you know, I knew I wanted to be a cinematographer. I had shot a lot of student films there and, but uh, I tried to get in the union, but the union was closed and I couldn't get in. And so I went to work. I was a PA. I worked as an editing assistant just to get anywhere. And I went for to work for this kind of low budget company that did these commercials, very low budget. And I was an editing assistant, you know, syncing up dailies. We shot film back then. Well, you still shoot film, which is really oh, cool. Yeah, but every, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. shot film back then. <laughs> yeah, well, not too many people do anymore, you know. Yeah. But back then, everything was film. Right. And it was all 35 millimeter film. And, and yeah. I begged them to let me shoot some stuff for them and they gradually let me start shooting. So I shot these low budget commercials that led to bigger budget commercials. And, and there was a certain amount of low budget movies in Los Angeles at that time that were so low budget. The union just said, forget it. We don't need, you know, you guys just go make your movie. We don't want anything to do with this. So there was a handful of DPs like myself who, you know, we shot all these kind of lower budget movies and, you know, that's where you kind of learned a lot about, how to make movies was doing those low, you know, 25 day, $2 million movies, you know? So that was kind of a, a good, good way to learn. And at some point along the way, like there's a few that jump out in my mind, like drugstore cowboy, you know, you had a few that kind of, but like, I guess the relationship with Wes and bottle rocket, like that one sort of started something different. Right. Yeah, I mean, Drugstore Cowboy was a big kind of uh, hit within the film industry. And that kind of actually got me to Wes, because Wes loved that movie so much. Yeah. And a lot of people really responded favorably to it. And, you know, Wes was a big fan of Drugstore Cowboy. And that's one of the main reasons why he, he contacted me to shoot Bottle Rock. So, you know. And when you saw Bottle Rocket at first, you're like, this is a small, you know, different, unique. Were you like, 
absolutely. Or was there something about it? Like, how did you know, like at that time, like, and, and I, and I really want to know forming that you guys have evolved together, the language, the visuals of these films. Like, so starting there was kind of a start point, but what was it you saw in that script, I guess, or in him that you knew we, there was something there? Well, Wes initially sent me the script and he had made a short that I didn't work on just of a couple scenes from the movie they had shot in 16 millimeter as kind of an entree and, you know, thought he showed a lot of potential there. And uh, we met, of course, and we just kind of hit it off immediately. We started talking about movies we liked, movies we didn't like, you know, how we saw things and we clicked kind of right from the beginning and uh, kind of, kind of a crazy story. I, I just assumed he was going to cast Hollywood actors in those roles. And, and yeah. I, I said to him at one point, so who's going to be in the movie? And he said, oh, it's Owen, Luke, and Bob. And I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, they were all unknowns. They'd never been in the movie before. You know, of course, we all know what happened. But but yeah, I was a little bit naively thought he was going to go back and recast Hollywood actors. And That's funny. Yeah, but he was... Even from the very beginning, he was a person who really stuck to his guns and, you know, he had a clear idea what he wanted. I remember, you know, uh, hearing him talk with Jim Brooks, who was financing the movie. He was one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. And Wes would argue with him. And, and I was like, well, okay, you know, I mean, really, yeah. 25-year-old kid going up against Jim Brooks. And, you know, Jim kind of mentored the whole thing and, and obviously had an influence on it but Wes would, they would have their disagreements and I just remember just thinking wow I can't believe Wes is you know taking on Jim Brooks on this he did but that was his was it was the kind of things that you guys kind of that he fought for or that you guys were trying to do there Can you couldn't tell me what was important for you creatively both of you sort of in that film that was like we're going to do it this way and we're going to establish because they're just your movies together are just different there's a different yeah. visual look than anything else. And I can imagine you get pushback on that, you know, now yeah. it's established, but then. Well, we were eager to shoot anamorphic, the two four zero frame and the studio who was financing it said no. So they made us shoot a test and we shot the same scene in anamorphic. And then we shot it in spherical. And to be totally honest, we kind of cheated with the spherical. We made it the composition's a little more awkward. and I had a feeling that's where this was going. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I, I would kind of cheat the lighting a little bit to make it less interesting. And uh, so we sent it to the studio and they came back and said, oh, well, we, we don't see the difference. You have to shoot spherical, which is kind oh, no. of disappointing <laughs> to us. Because you even doctored it. You even went out of your way to be like, they'll definitely not like this because it'll be worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, we kind of did it. We tried to be somewhat subtle about it, but, you know, we definitely <laughs> skewed it towards a certain direction. Sure. And then we, you know, we prepped the movie in Dallas. And then the first day we put on a 27 millimeter lens and we shot some shots. And then we went in for the close ups and we kept the 27 on, which is, you know, not something you ordinarily would do. And, Wes was really excited about it and said, you know, why don't we just shoot the whole movie on the 27? And of course, mm. the studio said, no, you can't do that. So after a few days, the line producer came to me and said, you're not allowed to shoot the whole movie on one lens. And I said, okay. 
So we just started writing on the camera reports, 50 millimeter or 75 millimeter. <laughs> and it was all the same lens. And I think that that kind of started off a lot of the Wes Anderson look. It was a wide angle close. Yeah. You know, we've kind of carried on with that type of look. You know, we very rarely use long lenses ever in, the, in, in any of those movies. And, That's you know. amazing. It's just, just go ahead and do it. Don't ask permission. Just change well, it on the know, report. We kind of had to it. cheat a little bit, you know. <laughs> and, uh, That's how you create a look that defines something, though, right? That's how yeah. you do it. You have to color yeah. outside the lines a little bit. Yeah. And I think we're not the first people to shoot a movie on one lens. I, I'm pretty sure Rosemary's Baby was shot on mm-hmm. like a 20 millimeter lens or you know and other people have done that as well but you know certainly for a director to make that kind of decision in his first film is is, you know pretty bold i guess but yeah you know i'm also kind of just surprised i guess i'm not surprised but it's interesting to hear that the studio would say wait they're only like that they would get involved at the level of lens choice just say like we don't trust these guys to make their own decisions here on the lens yeah i mean uh since that movie i've done big movies studio movies and they uh, in all honesty they they want to weigh in you know you have a like ghostbusters for instance uh, you know had paul feig who's this guy who's a macula dresser they had an academy award-winning costume designer and it was a movie with women who all are very concerned about what they wear and they're all very talented and bright actors and you know and yet we had to have all the wardrobe approved by some executive in the studio and it's like you know this is a guy who again no offense was a lawyer or an agent who now is running a studio and yeah you know it's like he knows more about wardrobe than all these other people who uh, right Right. you don't trust paul feig and these talented actresses and this costume department and yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it just seems silly so we're constantly having to get all kinds of things approved by them and in the end i guess they're financing the movie so they have a right to do this but it just seemed a little over the top for me that they didn't trust what we were doing enough. And Paul had wasn't his first movie. He had made bridesmaids and you yeah. know, big movies that had made a lot of money for people. And I was just surprised at the amount of control that they wielded over that movie, you know, and everything had to be approved by some mythical guy in an office in, you know, Burbank somewhere, <laughs> you know, so. It I kind know. of brings me to asking, to getting back to, you know, with French Dispatch, like we're at this point, you know, we start talking about, I'd like to talk about all the movies, obviously, <laughs> but like when we're talking about where you started together and yeah. kind of cheating on the camera report with lenses and then French Dispatch, how much trust is placed in you and the team that you are all really crafting this look because by now the look is so unique. It's almost reason to see these movies in and of itself. It's so crafted at every level, you know, do they, do they let you do your thing now? Do they trust you more or do you still get those? uh, Wes kind of does what he wants and, you know, we're all there on his team, obviously. And, he is in a unique position. Uh, he has a guy, Stephen Rails, who bankrolls the movies. And, and Stephen and Wes have a great relationship. And that said, I think these movies are all made a quarter of the cost of what they would cost if they were being made at a studio. You, you don't have all the overhead. You don't have all yep. the... Wes keeps the crews very small. Uh, the actors, again, I don't know what they get paid, but I have a feeling not a lot of money. And They just and, want to do it because it's... It's fun, yeah. right? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, uh, maybe they have a back end. I don't know what their deal is, but yeah, you know, I know that they're not getting paid their usual salaries, and so and because Wes is so specific, you know, it's not like like you'll go into a, a location that we're going to shoot part of a scene in or a scene in there. And he's very specific. He'll say, I want to just shoot in this direction. I won't shoot in this direction. So the art department only has to dress that one side. I only have to light that one side. And everything is kind of figured out beforehand. Do you do a lot of advanced storyboarding with him? Yeah. So you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happens in the last few movies is he makes an animatic, which is like a little cartoon. Mm -hmm. And it shows exactly what the camera moves are. And it shows, imagines what the sets are going to look like. It's kind of our Bible. And we kind of use that, uh, you know, as we go forward in making the film. And, you know, we always refer to the animatic uh, as our kind of, this is what we're doing, you know. And, and occasionally we make changes. But, you know, so it's a very specific way of working. But it allows for you to be so, because I was going to say, with the quarter of the cost and no overhead, but being so specific as you guys are and crafting something that honestly looks as good or better than a lot of the biggest stuff, do you achieve it without like killing yourselves because of that specificity? Like, is it not a super stressful? I, I assume it's not a stressful process. So what makes it possible to do such? And I think this really applies to people who are at every level, because how can you get so much with less, you know? Yeah. Um, well, there's a certain amount of stress involved because the schedules are much smaller, you mm -hmm. know, than a big studio movie. And when we get these movie stars, you might get them for two or three weeks. You don't have them for six months, you know, and so you have to fit all their work within a very specific time period. And so that creates a certain amount of stress. We have to shoot them out by Friday because they're leaving yeah. to go do Dune or something. Right, you know? right. <laughs> you know, so there is a certain amount of stress in the shooting because of that. And it seems like we, even though we don't do super long days, we don't do 15-hour days. We usually do 10, 11-hour days or 12-hour days. You know, but we have to get it all done within that period. And, and often the shots... And what S Wes is asking for is, you know, very intricate and difficult. Yeah. So, so the question is just how <laughs> you put, you've laid it out as it sounds like really challenging. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a challenge. And, and again, uh, I think we all feel a certain amount of stress and, you know, getting it done. And, and because it's so specific, uh, you know, you kind of have to, you can't say, oh, well, we can't do this. Can we do that instead? I mean, that's right, right. you know, we, we, we do what, what the animatic says. And, and it's often a difficult, you know, throughout my career with Wes, many times uh, when he first describes something to me, I'll think to myself, you know, how the hell are we going to do that? That's impossible, you know. But somehow we come up with a solution and we, we find a way to make it happen. And, you know, we're unfortunate. I have a really, you know, people I collaborate with and, and they certainly help me and the art department is fabulous and, you know, all the other departments are top notch and everybody brings their A game and, you know. Yeah. So the somehow, talent level that all of you have, I mean, the, the lighting, the art, it's just so clear. But it's crazy to think that it's all done under... Every movie's made under pressure, right? But the time pressure and the added of like, you know, lower budget for these movies 
but it's so intricate and specific. And some of these locations are probably really limited to you and their period. Like, do you talk about the period, the light, like each one being different? Or is it kind of like, you know, we have a thing we do. This is our look. Because in a way, they kind of have a, you know, like you talk specifically, say, like French Dispatch versus um, Grand Budapest Hotel. There's a lot of similarities, but what ways were you like, here's where we're going to veer away. Here's what we're going to do differently. Well, you know, certainly Wes has his, you know, trademark things that he does. We like to a balanced frame, people in the center. We use whip pans, dolly straight in or dolly to the side, you know, not a lot of zooms. Or, you know, there's certain visual things that, you know, carry on from one movie to the next. But before each movie, he assembles a library of films that, you know, he would want us all to watch uh, hmm. DVDs or Blu-rays. You know, it's, it's an actual library that he has and you can go check out a movie and, then you know, just check it back in when you're done looking at it. And so, and there's a lot of books and things, visual references. You know, we certainly talk a lot about things and, and the, the prep period is very, very extensive. And, you know, we shoot a lot of tests, like even in Grand Budapest, they would, uh, the art department would put, put flats up and paint them different shades of that kind of pinkish color and then we would hold up the wardrobe of the jackets different shades of that purple to see what would and i try to as best i could recreate the way it was going to be lit in the movie and you know and we would just look at things oh we should maybe make that a little lighter a little darker and, and there's a lot of testing that goes on and uh also a lot of just looking at movies and books and and so by the time we're shooting you know we're all pretty much on the same page with things i think i rarely do something come out of the woodwork that you know, like you're like oh shit i had no idea i mean it's, you know, <laughs> right. that doesn't happen. Yeah. there's two things there that that are that i want to know more about I, I love the idea of these the libraries of movies and books and what specifically each time you watch and i want to know what french dispatch what some of them were or at least this, that really struck you but I, and, and then i also want to know yeah well we'll talk about it after in our last question but i really want to know about film stock and choosing film and, and which stock you use and why and stuff. But first, tell me, what were the things in the library that really clicked for you for French Dispatch? Uh, well, I had never seen Diabolique. Yeah. It was a really great movie. And I'd never seen Viva Savi, the Godard film. Yeah. There was a movie called The Fire Within, which was Louis Maul. So a lot of French movies, you know, that Wes, Wes lives in Paris. He has lived in Paris for less 10 or 15 years, whatever it is. And he's uh, certainly always been influenced by the French New Wave. And it's not only just the lighting, but it was the 137 frame often, yeah. which is what we started with using on Grand Budapest. And just how the directors and cinematographers kind of approached using the camera to tell the best story. And, and so I immersed myself in the French Dispatch on these older French films back from the French Nouvelle Vogue. And that aspect ratio was a big part of it, though, like learning how to compose in that aspect ratio. Yeah. And and at first, when we when Wes told me on Grand Budapest, he wanted to shoot a lot of it, 137, I was a little bit concerned, I guess. I was like, oh, my God, you know. And, but then we started working with it, and I really grew to love it, you know, and, and uh, it was fun, you know, and, and you'd find interesting compositions that you never would have done in anamorphic, you know, and, and uh, 
you know, people with a lot of headroom or, yeah. you know, blocking wise. And so I found it a challenge and also I, I really enjoyed doing it. You know, I, yeah. I really had fun. And so, and yes, yeah, so we talk about aspect ratio, which changes things a lot. Film stock, which for me as an audience, going to see a movie that was shot on film makes a huge difference. I can tell, I feel it. I think a yeah. lot of us feel that way. It's great that you guys are using it, but you're using it in a real specific way. Do you test a lot of stocks and consider a lot of processing or, or what's your approach with film stock and, and why, you know, for you, what's, what's great about, you know, okay. continuing to uh, well, we started uh, testing uh, film stocks on Moonrise Kingdom because we were shooting 16 millimeter and Wes didn't like the fast stock, the 72, 19, 52, 19, 35, because he felt it was a little grainy, but he really liked the 13, which is ASA 200. So we started on Moonrise Kingdom and we just continued it on the Grand Budapest Hotel. But you need a lot more light, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, with that first one, you're outside, but like, you know, maybe in that hotel, I'm imagining now you needed a lot of lights. On 200, yeah, right? you know, it does take a lot more light. It's not, you know, I shoot a lot of Alexa stuff and it's a difference of uh, ASA 200 or 800 or 1200 with the Alexa. It's a whole different thing. And so you yeah. need a lot of light. And particularly at Grand Budapest Hotel, when we shot in Eastern Germany in the winter, yeah. it wasn't light until 830 in the morning or nine. And it was dark by 430. So it gave us a very narrow window there, you yeah. know, and um, so, but Wes is pretty good about when it gets dark, he doesn't press on. He just says, okay, you know, uh, he, he gets it, you know, and we push the envelope a little bit, but when it gets dark, it's dark, you know, and, and but it's got to be the two. And you did the 200 again on French dispatch. Yeah. And then we also in prep, because he wanted to shoot some stuff in black and white, we got double X, which is 5222. And we started yeah. testing it. And we even shot some things with both stocks. And the amazing thing was we always, we'd go to the editing room and look at our dailies and, and we always kind of responded to the black and white, you know, it was like, whoa, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so we really kind of, initially there was only going to be one story in black and white, the first one with Benicio. But I think we both fell in love with it so much that we started to integrate it more into the other other stories. And and you know, I think that it's there's something about black and white film that, you know, I mean, you can take an Alexa and shoot it and, you know, add grain and everything, but it's not the same thing, you know. And and uh the black and white film has a quality to it that, you know, really, you know, really brings a lot to the story, I think. So I yeah. I agree. I I hope you guys are inspired and shoot a whole feature in black and white soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just love it. It's like a different. It's a different. It's like a different everything, but it's beautiful. Yeah, um, it really is. It has a contrast and it, it, just the skin tones and everything. It's just it has a whole different feeling to it. And and uh, mm -hmm. you know, again, you can shoot an Alexa and take the color out and add grain, but I don't think it's kind of the same thing, you know, it's, it's no, there's something about that black, particularly yeah. the darkness of it. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, uh, we're out of time. Thank you so much. Oh. It's been great talking to okay. you. Really appreciate it. Nice meeting you. But I talked to the Kodak people a lot. I've talked to them about wanting to talk to you guys, you and Wes specifically okay. about film and I'll talk to them again because I'd love to, to expose more filmmakers to the value of shooting on film as much as we can. Yeah. Well, we are the same way. And, and I think Kodak, because 
our, our friends dispatch we were using a lot of their black and white film they were kind of using that as a you know a, as a way to advertise to young filmmakers you know Wes Anderson does it so uh you know yeah. you can too kind of things yeah it's not as hard as people think nor is it as expensive as people think oh. and the value is you know you it's a whole other value for your yeah. stories so yeah and I think that so many of the young cinematographers and directors have been just shooting digitally and it's a different animal when you start shooting film. And I, I, I would encourage them all to try it out and see how much, see if they like it or not. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Robert, for coming on the No Film School podcast. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe and leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Ask us questions which appear on our weekly podcast, which drops on Tuesday mornings every week. You can email your questions to editor at nofilmschool.com. You can also email your good deal, bad deal questions where we will break down for you whether or not we think it's a good deal or a bad deal. You can also read about all kinds of filmmaking, education, technology, and entertainment news at nofilmschool.com. Follow us on Twitter like us on Facebook, check out our Instagram page and our YouTube and all that other good stuff that exists on the internet and in the apps. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.